Hello and welcome back to Benaiah, Mighty Man of God by P.H. Thompson, an audiobook. This is chapter 38. But if a man acts with premeditation against his neighbor to kill him by treachery, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. Exodus 21:14. Joab, Abishai shouted as he entered the courtyard of Joab's home, you must flee. Joab stumbled out of his house. His grey hair was unkempt, his eyes puffy, worry etched on the deep lines of his face. What has happened, brother? You are not safe here. Now that Solomon is established on his throne, he is quashing any rivals to his kingdom. Adonijah's bold request for Abishag was viewed as treason, so Solomon had Benaiah execute him. Joab sank down onto the wooden bench, his head in his hands. It's only a matter of time before they come for me. All my years of loyalty mean nothing since I sided with Adonijah against Solomon. I intended no disloyalty to David by it, but with Amnon and Absalom dead, Adonijah is the rightful heir. Abishai would have reminded him that David often said Solomon was his choice to succeed him, but he kept silent. What's done was done. Solomon knows nothing about me. I took this fortress city from the Jebusites before he was even born. I was in charge of the entire army of Israel. I fought alongside his father, my uncle. Yet now I will likely be executed as a traitor. Joab wept. Uncomfortable with the uncharacteristic display of emotion in his elder brother and unsure of how to console him, Abishai placed a hand awkwardly on his shoulder. Perhaps it will go well with you after all, brother. Solomon was lenient with Abiathar the priest, in spite of his support of the treason. He only removed him from the priesthood and exiled him to his own home and fields. It's possible he'll recognize your loyalty to David all these years. You are his cousin, after all. Joab wiped his eyes with the palm of his large hands. He looked up at his brother and shook his head. I appreciate your optimism, but I know this shrewd king better than you do. What would it matter that I'm his cousin if he'd execute his own brother? Besides, I hold sway over the army. The men respect me, and Solomon can't take the chance that I'll lead them away from him. Abishai's mouth fell open. You wouldn't do that, would you? No, brother, but that will not matter to the king. Perhaps I can speak to him on your behalf, Abishai offered hopefully. Appeal for mercy? Joab looked at the darkening sky over the courtyard inside. There's a new king on the throne. He will establish his kingdom by removing all pretenders to the throne and their supporters. Joab stood and awkwardly embraced his younger brother, unable to find words to comfort him. Abishai pulled back and looked into Joab's eyes through his own tears. Where will you go, brother? I will flee to the tabernacle of the Lord in Gibeon. Joab laughed mirthlessly. Imagine that, Abishai. I, who never took this religious business seriously, now seek to extend my life by seeking refuge there. Joab's expression softened at Abishai's obvious pain. Do not grieve long, brother. I have lived well. I don't regret my decisions to kill Abner, Amasa, or Absalom, and I would still choose Adonijah over Solomon if I had to do it over again. Joab left Abishai in the courtyard. Even in the face of imminent judgment, Joab was a proud, obstinate man. Within the hour, soldiers arrived to search Joab's home and question Abishai about his brother's whereabouts. What do you want with him? he asked, even though he knew the answer. King Solomon has summoned him. Abishai dropped his head. He has fled to the tabernacle.
Joab has fled to the tabernacle of the Lord in Gibeon, a messenger reported to Solomon. The king motioned to Benaiah, Go, strike him down. As Benaiah marched to the tabernacle in Gibeon, northwest of Jerusalem, he remembered David's instructions to Solomon from his deathbed to make sure that Joab paid for his wickedness in murdering his rivals. It didn't seem right that David would ask Solomon to carry out a sentence he himself was unwilling to do, but then that was his non-confrontational way to deal with difficult situations in his family. Benaiah was convinced of Joab's guilt. Although Joab had been loyal to David most of his life, he had only a grudging respect toward him, often berating David publicly or secretly disobeying him. He was jealous for Abner's and Amasa's positions of power. He murdered Absalom contrary to David's orders, and he refused to number the Levites or Benjamites when he disagreed with David's plan for a census, to say nothing of his part in the death of Uriah the Hittite, Mikhail, and eight others during the battle for Rabbah. Yet Benaiah had a grudging admiration for Joab. He'd been Benaiah's commanding officer for many years, had fought alongside him in military battles, and camped with him when they were on the run from Saul. He spoke up if he disagreed with David, something Benaiah should have done on more than one occasion. In the years when he had fought alongside Joab as one of David's elite soldiers, or followed the orders of Joab as general of the army, Benaiah never imagined that he would one day be called upon to end the man's life. When Benaiah arrived at the tabernacle, he asked Zadok about Joab. The priest said, He is inside. He has taken hold of the horns of the altar. This was the sign of great distress and an appeal to the mercy of God. Zadok leaned close to Benaiah. I think it has less to do with his appeal to God for mercy and more to do with the fact that he knew you'd be the one coming for him. Even now, at the end of his life, Joab was scheming. He was well aware that Benaiah would be chosen to execute him, which is why he came to the tabernacle for sanctuary. Yet Benaiah was confident in who he was, the son of Jehoiada. In spite of the fact that he was a lifelong soldier, he was always remembered in connection with his valiant father, the priest of Yahweh. Benaiah was never prouder to be his son than when Jehoiada led 3,700 priests to Jerusalem to show their support of the new king David. Joab knew that Benaiah had been taught the law, so he would understand that a person should not be killed within the tabernacle, for it was a holy place. Another thought struck Benaiah. If Joab were not currently in charge of the army, then he himself might be considered for the position. Perhaps Joab considered Benaiah as another rival, like Abner and Amasa. Would Joab try to deceive Benaiah and stab him when he lowered his guard, as he had the two generals? Benaiah shook off the thought. Joab must know that his days of scheming were over. This would be his last stand. Benaiah asked Zadok, did he have any weapons with him? He did. Zadok pointed to the ground where a sword and club lay on the ground. I told him he must surrender them if he was claiming refuge. Benaiah noticed Joab's favorite dagger was not with the other weapons. Did Joab still have it? Would he try to fight Benaiah? Benaiah drew close to the tent of meeting and called out in a loud voice, Joab! The king orders you to come out of the tabernacle. After a long silence, Joab squeaked out, No, I choose to die here instead. Benaiah could hardly believe the weak, frightened voice belonged to the once strong general of Israel's army. Benaiah sighed. Joab was right about him. He could not murder a man at the altar of the Lord. Yet Solomon had just issued 
a just order, and he had to obey it. After a lifetime of hard lessons, Benaiah understood that it was not obedience that pleased God, but a broken and contrite heart, as David said. Still, Benaiah had also learned that to obey was better than sacrifice. Uzzah's sin in handling the Ark of the Covenant was a sobering reminder that the Lord took the manner of worship seriously. The Ark was being returned from the land of the Philistines, who had captured it in battle. But instead of carrying it on the shoulders of the Levites as prescribed, they put it on a cart. Then, when it got jostled along the way, a man named Uzzah reached out to steady it, and as soon as he touched it, God struck him dead. From this event they learned things had to be done in the way God required. He was not to be trifled with. As God told Samuel, the Lord doesn't see as a man sees, because man looks as at outward appearances, but the Lord looks inward at the heart. Benaiah was now faced with a just order to execute a wicked man. He wanted to obey, yet he also wanted to uphold the sanctity of this place, where God chose to meet with his people. After a lifetime of following orders, this old soldier would no longer obey blindly. Feeling confident that Joab would not venture from this place of refuge, Benaiah made his way back to the palace. He recalled the words from one of the Psalms of David, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. In the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. He would tell the king Solomon was wise. He would know how to solve this dilemma. When Benaiah returned to the palace, he informed Solomon of Joab's order and his dilemma. The king replied, Then do as he said, and kill him and bury him. By doing so, I will be free of guilt from the innocent blood shed by Joab. He killed two men who were much better than he was, Abner, the commander of the army of Israel, and Amasa, the commander of the army of Judah. He did both of those things without my father's knowledge. But now the Lord will punish Joab for his crime, and the guilt of their deaths will forever be on his descendants. There will be peace on David's house and kingdom forever. Benaiah bowed, Yes, my lord. Yet as he made his way back to Gibeon, he found himself conflicted. Solomon didn't give clear directions. But Benaiah was no longer a rough soldier who followed orders and killed without thought. He was a follower of Yahweh who must one day answer to him. He was Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, and he knew the law. He called to mind the scriptures regarding punishment for murder. Whoever plans to kill someone out of anger or hatred must be punished. Take them away from my altar and kill them. Joab did kill with premeditation and treachery in both cases. He was truly guilty. Benaiah repeated the verse, Whoever plans to kill someone out of anger or hatred must be punished. Take them away from my altar and kill them. He laughed. Was the answer to his conflict contained in the law itself? Thank you, Lord. Continue listening for chapter 39.